Welcome to our third episode of Frost Heave Revival, a podcast for the American Baptist Churches of Vermont and New Hampshire. I'm Dave Denis, the host of your podcast and pastor of United Baptist Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Today, we will be talking to Ron Boothalet. He's our new executive minister for leadership and discipleship. <laughs> and we'll be talking to him about the Lifetree School of Ministry. Now, many of you probably have never heard of Lifetree before, and that's actually with good reason, because Lifetree is new. At least the name is new. In fact, uh, Lifetree has been around for almost 40 years, but under a few different names. Originally, it was called the Institute for Laity, and more recently, the Institute for Learning, and the shorthand has been IFL. And IFL has been and continues to be the main channel for preparing and training those people in our churches whom God is calling from the pews to the pulpit. Now, the Institute for Learning has a great history and really has done some important work over the decades of its existence. A significant percentage of the pastors who currently serve our congregations received their ministry training through the IFL. And those, uh, those folks who started it, um, among them, Art Foy and Everett Palmer and Cliff Vent, those are just some of the names that I know. There are several others. They were very forward-thinking, and they faced some significant obstacles in getting this ball rolling. We ought to be very thankful to God for the work that they did and the foundation that they laid. In the past several years, however, IFL hit some hard times. Now, the reasons are kind of complicated and we don't necessarily need to unpack them all, but they basically boil down to this. The, the church and ministry landscape has changed over the last several years and very rapidly. And IFL, for a lot of reasons, wasn't quite able to keep up with the pace of that change. Well. That's no longer the case. IFL is now Lifetree School of Ministry, and it is being repaired and restored and refurbished. And part of that upgrade, just part of it, is the substitution of the name Lifetree School of Ministry for the old IFL label. We hope that this signals the new direction and energy that the region is injecting into the program. Now, before we get into the interview itself, I just want to mention that we are recording this in early April of 2020, and we're in the middle of some huge shifts that are taking place around the pandemic of COVID-19. And when I say shifts, I mean shifts in that ministry and church landscape we were talking about. Uh, in fact, this might be only the early days of this pandemic. From our perspective here right now as we record this, we just don't know how this is going to play out and what it's going to mean for our churches. We can guess, but we don't know. And Ron is going to mention in the interview how these events, though, they really only underscore how important Lifetree is and how important it is going to be going forward for the American Baptist churches of Vermont and New Hampshire. If you like what you hear today, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes and give us a five-star rating in iTunes or on whatever application you're listening to this podcast. 
Be sure to share this podcast with other folks in your church so they too can keep up on all the good news about what God is doing in the ABC churches in our two-state region. Okay, that's enough of an introduction. Let's jump right into the interview with Ron Boothalet. Okay, we are on, uh, I guess, on the air with uh, Ron Boothalet talking about uh, Life Tree uh, School of Ministry. Uh, welcome, Ron. To thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, welcome to Frost Heave Revival, our third our third podcast now. And I think a good place to start out, Ron, is just to let you introduce yourself. Who are you? Okay, good question. I think I'll answer that. <laughs> uh, uh, my name is Ron Boothalette. Um, Who am I? I am uh, a father of two, a grandfather of six, and the husband of a beautiful wife. Uh, I also am the pastor of the Milford um, Bridge Community Church. Been there for 13 years. Uh, I am also an adjunct professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and I am now on staff as the Associate Executive Minister for Leadership and Discipleship. And you say so, now on staff because that's a new position, is that right? Yeah, that happened in January. Yeah. Uh, originally, we were looking at, oh, I'm also the dean of LifeTree. Uh, originally, we were just looking at me being the dean or the director of LifeTree. And after several conversations with Dale and with the trustees, we felt it would be more appropriate for me to be on staff working with Dale, not only doing the, the being the dean of LifeTree, our school of ministry, but also to be an associate on staff because I'm, I've been doing different things, and now it gives me more of an official role to do these things. And you're really the first new region staff member that's been added in several years now, six years at least, six or seven. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and the board of directors were, uh, board of trustees were excited about this. The executive committee was excited about it. Uh, for a variety of reasons, this will allow both Dale and I to to be able to reach out more to our local churches. Uh, once I retire from the bridge, which hopefully will happen this summer, yeah. uh, they'll give me more freedom to go out to the local churches, not only to promote our region, but also to promote Life Tree, our school of ministry. Good, good. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to really have you on. You've mentioned it a couple of times, Life Tree. That's really the the point of this interview right, is to tell people more about this new thing that's not new, but it is new, called LifeTree. So talk to me about that. Uh, as Dean of LifeTree, what is LifeTree School of Ministry? Okay, so uh, for years we had IFL, uh, and I always forget what IFL means, but Institute for Learning. Institute for Learning, all right. right. For years we've had that, and that was a dream of, of, of our region to be able to educate um, our possible pastors, uh, lay people who want to be pastors, who cannot either afford or have the time to go to seminary, to basically be available to pastor some of our smaller churches. And uh, for a while, that worked really well. Most of the education was basically from local pastors. We would find local pastors who'd be interested in instructing our students uh, in various areas to instruct them. What we've discovered, um, well, first of all, for the last three years, we've almost been inactive because of, uh, of, a, of a director resigning. Um, and so we've been kind of just kind of floating along with a couple of students. But what right, we like did for three, or, for three or four years, IFL did not even have a director. 
for right. a lot of different reasons. It was That's correct. Came together, right? Basically, a couple of people kind of kept it going, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but what we discovered in interviewing many of our graduates from the previous uh, school of ministry, IFL, is that they felt as though their education was substandard. They felt as though they were not, even when they graduated from IFL, they felt that they were not um, equipped to pastor a church, to be able to teach people within the local church. And when we started discussing new ways of doing this or started discussing whether we even wanted a school ministry or not, uh, what, we, what we decided is that we need to really um, uh, lift up the standards, if you will, of our classroom setting, of our course, of, of what, what we're offering for the student. Um, and so we basically have eliminated the idea uh, of a local church pastor being the instructor. Now, there will be a couple of them who we feel are, are good teachers and good educators and good theologians who will be able to teach one or two of our courses. But overall, we're looking at online possibilities. Okay, so back that up a little bit, um, just so people understand. Because a, a lot of people might not even be aware of IFL and what it was and what it did. So um, kind of help us to understand a little bit uh, how IFL did work, just in general terms. And, and you know, understanding like you, 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 you referred to how some of the students are coming out feeling like, well, it wasn't as good as it could have been. And I understand that a lot of that is just because, like you said, we didn't have a director and a couple of people on the board were just kind of carrying it forward, but the board's not really, doesn't really have the energy or the, or the um, impetus to drive a thing. Like you have to have one person who's kind of giving the energy to make it go. Right. Right. So that was part yeah. of the, that was, the, that was a big part of the problem, but what, what was the former structure like? Like, what would a student be doing? Okay, so the, the, our formal, our f previous structure was basically that the student, we, we, had, we had a curriculum of either eight or 12 courses, I believe, or 10 or 12 courses, I forget what it was, um, that the student had to accomplish before he or she could go down the path of ordination, if that's what they wanted. Right. Some, some of our students basically just wanted more theological education. And so what we did is we had a curriculum, Old Testament New Survey, New Testament Survey, those types of courses, and we would look for volunteers. We would basically send out an email and ask for a pastor to volunteer to teach the course with no set um, syllabus per se. Uh, okay. We do have one person who has a syllabus uh, who teaches Old New Testament and, and biblical interpretation all within one year time frame, and that's considered three courses. Other than that, we really didn't have a syllabus for any of our courses. And so basically what would happen is our student would say, well, go, go see Joe Blow or Mary Martha. And, and they would go see Mary, Pastor Mary Martha and they would sit with her and she would basically just rattle on whatever she felt like teaching under the auspices of New Testament survey, Old Testament survey, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that really was an inadequate theological education for a future pastor. Just non-standardized. It wasn't, it wasn't a, clear, yeah. a clear set of standards in terms of what they needed to know. That is correct. Yeah. Right. So, and the idea is that these are people who are being trained and prepared for ministry. Exactly. And if that student is not, uh, is not motivated to study on his or her, her own, then what happens is their education is substandard. Right, right, right. Uh, so how, um, how are we doing it differently now? What are we moving toward? How are we rebuilding it to, to in, in this new thing called Life Tree, which is a new name, right? Right. Kind of, we're kind of uh, 
It's a way of signaling that this is a new kind of so thing. We're, we're reinventing our we're reinventing, school of ministry. Yeah. So talk about, we, talk about this reinvention and what we're right. moving toward. Okay, I think the biggest change is that there will be some courses where I will teach as the director or we'll have a, a one or two pastors that we have that I have worked with and tutored with and nurtured who I think can 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 teach a these particular these will be more the practical courses sure but as far as the biblical and theological courses they will all they will as of uh, March 1st are either online courses that we are selecting and or they will be uh, classroom courses uh, provided by Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary uh, out in the field. So they're not necessarily full seminary courses, but they are courses designed as seminary courses to be brought to the field to the local church or to, or to the leader or the potential pastor. So those we will utilize those eight courses along with some other courses that we are connecting with, which will be online courses. So you're using seminary professors from Gordon-Conwell. Right. And they're delivering seminary content that's from their yes. courses, that just right. in a different channel, a different venue, getting out of Hamil South Hamilton, Massachusetts, and bringing them up here into Northern New England to make them a little more accessible. Right. For instance, uh, this term, uh, we had Old Testament survey by Dr. Carol Kaminsky. Uh, Carol um, is a wonderful teacher. She's a scholar. Um, has a couple books out, and she basically did Old Testament survey at uh, Centerpoint Church in Concord. Um, in, in the fall, we'll be offering church revitalization, um, and that will be both for New Hampshire and for the New Hampshire churches and for Massachusetts churches. And we're actually going to hold it um, in, um, uh, we're in Haverhill, Mass, at the First Baptist Church of Haverhill, Mass. Okay. So our, even though that's a third year course on our curriculum, uh, I am not gonna be a stickler as far as what year the student is in, right. especially when it comes to practical courses. So our students will be able to enroll in church revitalization right. uh, come fall. And, and Life Tree students are not gonna be the only students in those courses. No, and in, in, yeah. in the Gordon-Conwell courses, you're going to have full-time students from Gordon-Conwell. Right. You're going to have pastors and lay leaders from churches who just want to take that particular course. And then um, and you'll have lay people, and then, we'll, of course, we'll have our students that will attend also. Yeah, so, and, and if I recall correctly, they're uh, also compacting the time frame for these courses as well. That is correct. Like, in, in a seminary course, we need to offer, we have to have 36 hours of class time. Uh, and so what we do with these particular courses is we offer them for Friday night, like from six to nine and all day Saturday from nine to four or nine to five. Um, and then for two weekends. And then the third weekend is required for our full-time students to attend at the seminary, but anybody else could come if they want to and attend that third week. So what's the advantage of that kind of setup for your typical life tree student? Well, a lot of our Life Tree students are employed full time, hmm. and so this will allow them to take the course Friday night and all day Saturday. Um, it's also, I think, they're going to be able to have interactions with other pastors, with other students, with lay people from churches uh, all over the region. So I think there's, that's going to be a, a, a real advantage. Online courses are great, but there's not the interaction that you can have with a face-to-face -face type classroom setting. Right. And right. so that's why in, with Lifetree, we wanted to combine both where online courses they can take from their home, 
But if there's a live course out there, we really want them to take that live course uh, if they possibly can do that. Yeah, so good. That's, that's a good segue because uh, so live courses is one of the components. We're keeping that as yes, a component of Life Tree. We're just kind of upping the game, so to speak, by, by bringing in Gordon Conwell and taking advantage of something that they're already doing with these remote courses. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I mean why not? Uh, I guess our, the question that I had for the board and the question that Dale and I talked about is we have this wonderful blessing of having a seminary in our region. And if they have, uh, if they're offering things that will help our students, why not utilize those particular resources that they're right. offering? Right. But the, so the flip side of that, and this is one of the things we saw with the IFL, we'd offer courses in a particular location. And no matter where it was, there was always a group of people and a time of year when it was too hard to actually get there. Right. So even if you offer a course in New Hampshire, which is pretty in Concord, let's say, right, uh, which is pretty easy to get to f from a, a lot of New Hampshire, somebody from Burlington, Vermont is probably not going to drive down to Concord uh, every other week in February to, right. to make a course. It just makes right. it real difficult. So. So what are we doing about that kind of thing? Because that still exists when you're doing a physical right. meeting. Like so that. what we're doing is for every course that offers a live course, we're also offering an alternative online course. What does that mean? Uh, so if you can't make the live course, for instance, if you couldn't make Carol Kaminsky's Old Testament course in Concord, uh, and if you don't want to wait for her to teach it maybe in Massachusetts or Maine, uh, but you want to do Old Testament, we're going to offer that opportunity through an online course. Nice. And where are we sourcing those? Are we making those courses up or... Are we no, we're, we're, right now we're still in the process of making a decision as to whether we're getting the course. Uh, but wherever, wherever venue we decide, wherever we decide to get the course, they will be uh, excellent courses taught by seminary professors uh, with some interaction involved. So I, I know Gordon Conwell offers some. Uh, we're looking at Zondervan. We're looking at Bible Mesh. We're looking at a variety of venues out there that we can plug into so that our students can really get a good education of whatever online course that we offer them. Yeah, there's actually a lot of really good material out there. A lot yes. of really good content. Uh, I'm leaning more towards video than I am audio, I think, but uh, we might even have, an, uh, we might even offer the student an audio component versus a video component. Because some of them might not want to watch video, they might just want to listen to it while they're at work or whatever. Right. So we want to make those opportunities available to them also. So there's still this issue of, of uh, for lack of a better term, rigor, right? When you're doing right. an online course, the thing about a, a live course is there's a professor there who knows how to, and there are requirements built into the syllabus for engagement with the material, whether it's writing a paper or taking a test or a combination of those different things, class participation and things like that. How do we deal with that um, in Lifetree when we're doing online courses? So uh, part of what I'm doing now is writing a syllabus for every online course. Um, and in that syllabus uh, will be books that they need to read and, and send me a reading report on, uh, and also a, a reflection paper that they need to do. So I don't wanna do finals. I, I don't think that's a good measurement of, of, of what a student is getting from a course. It's just data. Really what I want is a theological reflection from them, how that course has changed their life or has, or has increased biblical knowledge in their life and what they're gonna do with the material that they got from that course. So even if they took an online course, even if they took a live course from the seminary, 
The seminary has, um, if you take the, they don't have um, any assignments if you take the course, unless you're a full-time student. Okay. So basically you can come and sit and, and receive all of the information and not have to do any assignments. So in order for, the, for our students to get credit when they take that course, they need to fulfill our requirement of reading reports and theological reflection. Okay, so there's, you're building in engagement as an important part of the process. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Good. good. Yeah. And, and I want to really make sure that the, that the student has a good grasp of the, of the data that they receive from those live courses also. Okay. And we're designing, we're designing this to uh, uh, be how long a course, like if somebody were to take it, is it a two-year course, a five-year course? What are we looking at? Um, as far as the each individual course? No, like the whole, the like if somebody wanted to um, enroll in LifeTree and, and go through the whole program, how long would it take? So if they want to go down the path of ordination, uh, I'm working with the Department of Ministry on that one. But basically we've taken, okay, so in IFL, we offered the boundaries course and we offered the, um, the polity course. We're no longer doing that through IFL, uh, through LifeTree. Yeah. Uh, because that's really a component of the Department of Ministry and should be separate. Right. Uh, and that's uh, boundaries is ministry ethics, basically, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so now if you're going down the road of ordination, um, it's a three-year program if you stick with the program and do it at the pace of three uh, of four courses a year. So it's, a, mm -hmm. it's 12 courses. So that's a winter course, a spring course, a summer course, and a fall four course. Excuse me. So you have four courses a year, um, and that, that's e pretty easy to accomplish if you're really committed to the program. Right. So three-year time frame, you will graduate from LifeTree, and then I will introduce you to the Department of Ministry, where you will go down that road with, their, with your association and with the Department of Ministry towards the road of ordination. Okay. We're gonna, I want to talk about ordination a little bit down the road yet and how this all fits together. Um, but let me ask you more about the, the course content. You talked about like an Old Testament course. So I assume you're planning a New Testament course. What other kinds of courses are, what, uh, subjects are we covering in this? So it, with LifeTree, what we're planning on doing in, in the, every year, it builds on the previous year. So in the first year, you have... Um, you have courses like Old Testament Survey, New Testament Survey, Biblical Interpretation, and I believe Spiritual Formation is okay. first year. Uh, I don't have my notes in front of me. Second year would be Theology 1, Theology 2. Um, I know there's a course on preaching. There's a course on church revitalization. Uh, there is a course on church history. Uh, there's a course on preaching, uh, on pastoral care or pastoral ministry. So we have both theological courses, biblical courses, if you will, and we also have some practical courses. Also in our last year or within their three-year time frame, they have to do a year of mentored ministry with, um, one, with, a, with their pastor or a pastor that we will assign them to. Yeah, interesting. So it's not going to be quite as complete as an MDiv degree, <laughs> right, by any means. But well, no, because an MDiv degree is, uh, what is it? Um, it's ten. It's thirty courses, so that you can get you. You know, if you want to like, do an MDiv, I have a good school that I'd recommend. It's like ninety to hundred credit hours. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a, it's a yeah, we're deal. not gonna. We're not doing that, and we're not doing yeah. credit hours per se either. Right. 
Right. Uh, so our courses are not transferable uh, to a seminary. Right. And so our students need to understand if they go in the IF in the Life Tree program that basically this is uh, this work this functions good in the context of the American Baptist churches. Yeah. So again, we're going to come around and talk about that a little more. I want to explore a little more of the structure and content of the of the courses. So we've got biblical studies, we've got theology, and then what you call practical ministry courses, kind of a mix of those right. of those things, right? Um, are there other components to the program besides just the academic learning? Yeah, we're hoping also, um, and I'm working with the Center of Leadership in Nashua on this, we're hoping uh, to train some of our pastors to be mentors. Uh, one of the things that we want to do, which we haven't done and we need to do, I believe, is that each student should be assigned a mentor uh, so that he or she can sit under that pastor and, and learn more on the practical side, but also to be accountable to that pastor for not only accountable to me, but accountable to that pastor for their time, uh, their time commitment to the program right. and, and, and basically the journey that they're going on. Cool. So, so there's going to be kind of a discipleship or mentorship component to right. this as well. Yeah. That's really important. Um, the other thing that life, the, the other thing that's different with Life Tree, also compared to IFL, is that we're also going to be offering uh, continuing ed courses for our pastors, especially our graduates. We're going to offer them courses um, on a regular basis at a very reduced price, so that our graduates, or for any pastor for that matter, can take the course and really, you know, expand their horizons, if you will, theologically or otherwise. So mm-hmm. this is a new component for us. Uh, but I'm pretty excited about that component. Yeah, nice. That, that, that'll make a big difference. So people can come, and, and you're talking out, these are, these are extra things outside of the, the 12 courses you've been talking about. This is something extra beyond that. Right. These are, these are courses that are not required for graduation from IFL, but they might be a course that we think our student would enjoy, uh, or get something out of it, or our pastors for that matter. So for instance, uh, just recently, I, I found a course that I think it would be awesome. Uh, it's on the Book of Romans. A very And so although a course on the Book of Romans is not required in our curriculum, it would be a good course for somebody to take if they wanted to really study the Book of Romans or John or, John or or maybe a course on ethics that we're not really requiring. Uh, well, I mean, not ethics, but apologetics that we're not really requiring. Right, right. Uh, we might want to offer that for anybody who wants to take that course. Okay. And that would be at a reduced price. That wouldn't be at the normal price that we that we charge for our courses. So let's talk about this. Is the second time you mentioned it. Let's talk about money. How how much does this cost? So to enroll in I in our Life Tree program, it's two hundred dollars. Um, each just, course just to is, sign up, just to get just in the program. To sign up, right? Um, and each course is four hundred dollars. Um, however, uh, there there are scholarship opportunities. The Northern Baptist Education Society is willing to pay for every other course. So, in a if you take four courses a year, you will pay for two courses, and uh, and the Northern Baptist Society will pay the other two courses. In other words, it comes out to two hundred dollars a course is what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one is you'll pay one, then the, then you have to pay the first one, and then Northern Baptist pays the second one. Great, so that that really helps a lot. So um, there's a commitment on the students' part, but there's also a lot of help right. from the 
and and for those students that really are struggling financially, we can also tap into our silver bean program if necessary. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want the student to feel that he or she can come to LifeTree for free, right. uh, because I think there needs to be some sort of financial sacrifice. Uh, as with anybody who goes yeah. to seminary or any other career, right. you have to pay for your education. Education is not free. Right. Is a is a commitment. Is a commitment. Right. And there are costs involved to the region for, to run it. Absolutely. Right. There's one program that if we go into the program will cost the region not a lot of money, but it will it will put a dent uh, in, in our income in, in our profit margin, if you will, for LifeTree. Yeah. Um, so we, we have to look at all of these things seriously. And we have also have to charge what I think is an adequate amount of money uh, and also comparable to other regions. So we check yeah. with TAPCOM and I check with a couple other regions in the American Baptist churches, and we're right up there with them. Right. So to access these courses costs money and to, to pay, you know, quite frankly, to pay for the work that you do to run the whole thing, somebody's got to run it. Yeah. Uh, that costs money. And there's uh, infrastructure uh, that we're putting together in terms of uh, online and websites right. and that kind of thing. All that, all that costs money. So it has to be, yeah. has to be and, supported. And, and if you go down the ordination path, you'll have to pay extra for the polity course and the boundaries course. Right. Again, uh, right. Silver Bean can help you with that. We just, so, we didn't, I just did not want, we're hoping that other denominations might take advantage of LifeTree. So I didn't want American Baptist polity or, or, or ethics to be a part of our curriculum. So although we're, yeah, so although we're conceiving it as an American Baptist Vermont, New Hampshire thing, you're saying it might, we might be making it available on a wider basis. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to Terry Shanahan with the four C's and he seems to be interested in it. Uh, we really, unfortunately, because of what we're going through right now as a nation, uh, it's impossible to meet, so to speak, right. and really have a discussion. He does know about it. He did seem somewhat excited about it. So. Yeah, good, 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 good. So that's, that's a pretty good overview of the structure. I appreciate you kind of walking us through that. Um, so what's the point? What, if, if there are seminaries out there that can do this, if there are other schools of ministry that can do this, why are we putting all this money and all this energy and time into rebuilding this thing, rebranding it from IFL to LifeTree? Why, why are we going through all that? Why is this so important? A variety of reasons. Um, number one, I think that, of course, theological education is becoming more and more expensive. Uh, and so we're looking at the idea that pretty much a seminary grad, if he or she gets no scholarship or no financial help whatsoever, is going to be strapped with about a $60,000 school loan. That's an, wow. incredible, that's an incredible amount of money uh, for somebody to be strapped with. And going into some of our smaller churches, where their, their salaries are not going to be adequate enough to be able to live and pay for their education. And that's just from their seminary education. That doesn't count if they have loans from their undergrad exactly. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, and then we also, one of the things we need to consider is that in our region, in the New Hampshire, Vermont region, we have churches that can no longer afford a full-time pastor. Um, we have churches that basically, and I think that's going to increase rather than decrease. Uh, as we, especially with this pandemic right now, I think we're going to see some of our churches really hurting financially and will not be able to afford a full-time pastor. So to ask a seminary grad who, who, who is strapped with a $60,000 education to take a church that's only going to offer them X number of dollars for 20 hours is just not going to work. Especially if they're yeah. in a rural area where there aren't a lot of jobs available. That's right. And they have, uh, you know, a wife and a couple of kids. <laughs> 
Right. Right. Yeah. So the the purpose or, or a husband of, and a couple of kids. Right. So the purpose of Life Tree is to find lay people in these churches, yeah, who might be interested in leading and pastoring that church, uh, to be educated to do that. Um, really, when you think about it, that's probably a very biblical concept. You think? If, if you look at the New Testament, Paul, especially Paul, recruited people from the local church and and discipled them and trained them to be elders and pastors of those churches. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't go to, the, to a school of ministry, um, but they were educated. And so what we're doing is we're basically saying to the local church, find someone who you feel can, can preach and lead your church uh, from where they're at, from their community. They live there, they work there. And if they're willing to sacrifice some time and energy, we will train them so that they can adequately pastor your church at a significantly lower rate than some of our bigger churches in a more thriving community. Yeah. So what it, I get, it's not really traditional. It's actually, you know, less than a hundred years old, but what well, we think yeah. of as the traditional way for pastors to work is somebody decides they have a call to ministry. Then they go off across the country or to wherever to a seminary and they spend three years or whatever getting this degree and paying all this money for it. And then they go out, shop themselves around the churches, trying to find somebody who wants them to be their pastor. Well, we're talking about a very different model of pastoral ministry, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. Talk about and, that. And, I, and I also think, well, one of the models is that somebody from the local church is going to be called. In other words, you already know them. Yeah. Uh, you've lived with them, so to speak. You've, you know, rubbed shoulders with them. You've gone through challenges probably as a church with them. And so they're already coming into your, so, so if we can pull them out of that congregation and train them, um, you don't have to worry about credibility. You don't have to worry about getting to know them. There's already that, that relational connection. Uh, and so he or she can come into the, to that church educated and whether they're working or not, or wherever, I mean, we have retired people who are interested in doing this. Uh, the bottom line is they can be your pastor. Uh, and therefore, we have a pastor in our smaller churches who is living in that community, who is known by that community, and now he or she can pastor the church. So we're not just looking at 25-year-olds. No. Right? We're looking no. for people. Like, I, what kind of people I, are we looking for? We, we have, we just have, I'm looking for people who feel called to ministry. Yeah. So we have a, a man who's retired, who just applied, who just joined uh, Lifetree. And, nice. and basically his desire is to go through the three-year program and then become the pastor of his small church in the Northern Kingdom. I think that's great. That's exciting. <clears throat> I think that's the future of yeah. a lot of our churches north and west of Concord. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So, and, and you're thinking that's going to just be a more common, why, why do you think that will be more common? Unless this pandemic brings, brings an absolute revival of, of spiritual desire and sensitivity, um, our churches have been in decline for years. And, and part of the decline is not because people aren't interested in church. Part of the decline is in some of our churches is because the community has declined. And the all of the young people basically have left that community. Uh, they've moved on with their life, and so you're left with what I call the, the fragment of the community. But this fragment is an important part of our communities because they are loved by God, and God wants them to have a local church. And so I think 
Lifetree is going to be able to provide them leadership for them to continue to have that church in that small declining town. So what's really interesting about you being the, the, the dean or the executive director of, of Lifetree, to, one of the things, you're just very interesting on your own, but one of the things about you doing this <laughs> is you are an adjunct professor, right? Teaching a course, correct, yeah. just one course, I think, at Gordon-Conwell, and it's on church revitalization. Well, I right. actually I actually teach three courses. Three courses, okay. Right. I teach a leadership course at Gordon Conwell. I teach uh, church revitalization, which is one of my courses, and and pastoral ministry. So those are the three courses I teach. Those oh. are the three practical courses. Sorry for underselling I, you. I didn't. Well, mean that's to. all right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, here, um, but here's why I think this is interesting because I talk for talk to us a minute about why something like Life Tree, how that fits in with church revitalization, how those two things, what's the role that Life Tree can play in that? Well, that's a good question, Dave. Uh, first of all, let's look at at the, our average church in the American Baptist life. Um, most of our churches are either plateauing or declining, and so. Uh, we have to deal with the reality of that. Some of them are declining because of the community that they're in, but some of them are declining because of poor leadership or conflicts in the church. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, so what my passion has always been, um, in, since I graduated from seminary back in 1983, uh, was uh, I felt God was calling me to go into these mainline declining churches and bring new life. That has been my ministry since the very beginning for 40 years now. You've done that, what, five different congregations? Yeah, five different your congregations. Yeah. And some of them kept me and some of them didn't keep me. <laughs> um, and then that's part of revitalization. However, yeah. I think it's a real need for our American Baptist churches, for actually for all the New England churches that are, we, we just have a lot of New England churches that are struggling. So I can't say it's just American Baptist churches. It's yeah. four C's churches, UCC, whatever. And so the revitalization course basically teaches not how to create one style of church, but basically gives you tools, teaches you tools to help you in any church that you go into in New England. Uh, and so Life Tree, I believe, is a good component of that, because if we can train men and women to go into some of these declining churches and they take the church revitalization course and they have a good mentor who has succeeded in church revitalization, then I think that the church that they're pastoring has a chance of turning things around. Mm. Yeah, so it gives them more tools to work with. That's right. and it helps the church. It does. So Life Tree really kind of, as I think of, as I am looking forward from uh, retiring from being a full-time pastor of a local church, one of my passions have been mentoring and training new pastors. That's why I teach at the seminary. And so this really kind of fits in with my new position as the uh, associate um, executive minister of leadership and discipleship. Uh, right. fit, and Life Tree fits right. under that category perfectly. Nice. Yeah. And as I think about this, we're going to have to do a lot of uh, work figuring out beyond Life Tree into, um, a, a, let's say, a Life Tree graduate becomes pastor of a church, right? Uh, what does that look like? I mean, some of them will be bivocational where they're holding down a full-time or a part-time job and pastoring. And there's a lot of time management issues and resource issues involved with that. That's a hard thing. A full-time job and a part-time job in a family, that's a lot to take on. How is that going to work, right? How can that work? Uh, there's right. lots of issues around that that we have to figure out that we're not used to doing. 
Right. So, you know, one, there's a couple of things that I think uh, as a region, we're going to be offering more. Of course, you know, one of the things with this pandemic is it's really teaching us how to use the venues such as Zoom, yeah. YouTube, and that type of stuff. I think a lot, a lot of our pastors never even thought of doing ministry from this venue. Uh, this is an excellent venue for us to be able to continue maintaining a relationship with our graduates. And so my hope is to find uh, to find yeah. men and women who are willing to step up and say, let's keep in touch for the next two years as you go down that road. Uh, our region also offers uh, a cohort, uh, which I lead right now, with about nine pastors when they all show up, uh, basically a place where you can come and discuss what's going on in your local church in a safe place and get peer, what we call peer counseling or peer suggestions that you can go with. Uh, some of our pastors really have gone through some really difficult times, and that group has helped them to really succeed in dealing with that in a healthy way. And and so I'm hoping we're going to be able to expand that group or and or that concept uh, in our region. So part of, if I understand you right, part of the outgrowth that you hope to see from LifeTree is the developing of uh, networks or a network of of uh, pastors supporting one another. Right. That's that, correct. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 That's really great. And why, why would that be important? Again, I, you know, I, I laugh about <clears throat> in class. I often tell our students when I graduated from seminary, uh, the vision of Gordon Conwell, when I graduated, excuse me, <clears throat> back in the eighties uh, was revitalization. Yeah. It was going to the mainline church right now. The sexy thing is planting a church in an urban Boston area. <laughs> <clears throat> and but um, uh, there are several of us on faculty that really are trying to bring back the seminary to this vision of revitalization. But part of it, when we graduated from seminary, uh, it was that the churches at that time that were in decline. Basically, were looking for somebody to be their chaplain. Uh, you pick three good hymns and you pick a good sermon, and you are a successful pastor. What does that mean when you say when you say be their chaplain? What does that mean? That means basically they want you to take care of them, and um, and not and much they, else. Most okay. Glaus Schaller des, described different churches. He said a cat church, which is a church under fifty, a cat uh, is is a situation where if you know anything about cats, you don't own a cat; they own you. <laughs> and then he says a dog church is anything under a hundred. And what do dogs like? Dogs like to be petted. <laughs> and so we need to understand that a lot of the churches that we're going into are dog churches. They want to be petted. And so pastoral care becomes a, the huge agenda um, of a pastor in, in that type of setting. Then revitalization, then vision casting, then all those things that we talk about now for the local church. So again, we were thrown to the wolves. We never, I, we, we never taught anything about conflict, which I'm going to be doing a class on conflict offered to all of our pastors here in the near future. Wait, you mean church conflict is a thing? Yeah, I know this surprises a lot of you, but yeah. Uh, well, we were never instructed on how to do church conflict. Uh, we were never instructed how to run board meetings. We were never instructed how, you know, the importance of, of being relational in our preaching. And I can go on and on and on. Right. That wasn't necessary. And back, back in the early days of the church, I'm not talking about the 50s, 60s, and 70s, basically you went into a church and there was no program needed. They already had the established program. Most people went to a church in their community or their flavor, and that was the end of it. Mm -hmm. Well, life has changed. And so now we need to retool our men and women 
because our culture and the culture of the church is changing rapidly. And I think this year, especially with this pandemic situation, we are going to go through major changes, I think, as the Church of Jesus Christ. Right, 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 for sure. Now, we've talked a lot about um, Lifetree as training for pastoral ministry, but I think you and I have spoken before about how your vision for Lifetree isn't just that it's for people who want to go into pastoral ministry. So who else is Lifetree for? Who else should be looking at it? I think that Lifetree would be a great, great process or journey for for lay leaders of our church and for people who just want to know a little bit more about the Bible, uh, who want a structured type setting, uh, for people who maybe want to help their pastor out as a lay leader and be more informed in the area of of, of biblical education and uh, practical theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think Lifetree will we'll be able to equip our lay leaders to be that. So we have a two-year program uh, that would be really good for our lay people to be able to take uh, and be able to be educated enough where they can really assist their pastor. So deacons? Yeah. Deacons, trustees, elders? Trustees, elders. Right. Um, any, many, any school any, teachers? Any person in, in our congregations that just want to expand their horizons, if you will, and learn more about what it means to understand the Bible more, Right. And also what it means to be a pastoral type person within the local church. Right. I've, I thought a lot about how important it would be for even, uh, we talk a lot about a call to pastoral ministry, and I'm going to talk to you about that in just a minute. But uh, it would be really good if we started to understand deacons as also needing a call, having a call, or having a call, I guess I should say, right. trustees as having a call to ministry, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. Not just being asked to fill a niche, but actually doing that because they understand they've been called by God to do that. Well, and of course, in our setting right now, Dave, that would be a fantasy. It, I don't disagree, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's my hope, uh, I think, along with you, that Lifetree can help to be a catalyst toward that kind of, that kind of thinking. That's our dream, yeah. and that's my hope. Yeah. I think we're, we're hoping that Lifetree would just be a leg of the American Baptist Churches of Vermont, New Hampshire, to educate future pastors, to educate our lay leaders, just to offer education to anybody who wants to take a course and learn more. For instance, I had two lay people from my church who took the Old Testament survey course in Centerpoint, and they absolutely loved it. Now, they have no intention of being a lay pastor. Right. They have no intention of doing more than what they're doing now. But they just, now they're really excited about the New Testament course that's going to come, yeah, and they're hoping be. to take that. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. So let's kind of bring this home. We're, we're, we're still a little bit, we have a little bit of time left, but I want to kind of ask you, if, if someone's listening to this, who, my phone, uh, if someone's listening to this and they suspect, how does someone know they have a call to ministry? Let's put it that way. How, how, what would someone look for? What, what is the signs that says, hey, maybe, hmm, I should be thinking about this? Yeah. Well, if I had the answer to that, I'd probably make a million dollars. I think Blackaby, Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, I think has a really good uh, format. Number one, you feel that God is speaking to you. Number two, other people are affirming your call and or gifts. Number three, your church supports your call or the acknowledgement of your gifts. And then he says, it's, it's like a boat going, in, going into the bay, 
are going to go into its uh, war, whatever it is. He says, you follow, you follow the path. And there's indications that you're on that path. And, and so you know you're safe and you're going down the right path. And I think as far as call, now some people have received this proverbial call where God struck lightning down or there was this flash of fire or you had a dream or whatever. And I'm not negating those types of calls. I think go forth and preach the gospel. I didn't get that call. My call was more a desire within me to really learn the word. And then when I was, then when I attended class, I realized this was something I really want to do with my life. Uh, to be able to share the word with people. Um, and so I entered um, Bible college with the idea that, you know, I'm just going to go down that road until God says either no or yes. And more and more doors opened and there was more acknowledgement and there was more affirmation. Uh, and so at that point, I knew that I was going down the right journey. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a similar, not a, a kind of a similar thing. What stands out in my mind is that uh, how often over the course of like 30 years, I would have someone in church uh, because I led worship or I, uh, I, I was able to preach, you know, uh, to supply the pulpit when the pastor was on vacation or something. And they would say, they would say to me, have you ever considered going into ministry? There you go. And, and yeah. that was, and, and that didn't happen just once. It happened like, like often, regularly over the right. course of 30 years. Yeah. And finally, finally, you know, things, God brought things together where I actually did. So I, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I guess my point is that if somebody has a desire, at least they need to start walking forward and, and seeing how, what God does with that desire. And the desire might be just to learn more biblical education, more, more about the Bible, more about the Old Testament, the New Testament, more about theology, more about church history. And it might be just as simple as that, but they won't know unless they sign up and take some courses and see what God does with that. Uh, yeah. My feeling has always been, if that's a direction God wants you to go, you'll know it. Yeah. There'll be that path that you'll be taking and you'll know it. Yeah. And I, I would say also that if you're already a church leader, if you're already a deacon, if you're already a trustee or an elder or whatever, uh, you've been called. You, right. And if you need yeah. more, if you need more training and preparation, you should go get that. Well, and especially those of, those of our men and women who are on elder boards or deacon boards, uh, depending on the government of the church, uh, in many churches, the deacons are the spiritual leaders of the church. In our case, of course, we have elders. Right. But whatever your your governmental format is uh, or your organizational format is, you have spiritual leaders in the church. And to me, in order to be a really good spiritual leader, you need to have at least an elementary understanding of the of Scripture. Yeah, so, I, but that's, yeah. that makes sense to me. Uh, let's take it from a slightly different perspective. Let's say I'm a, which I am, let's say I'm a pastor or I'm a church leader, what should I be looking for within the people of my congregation that might indicate that they have a call to ministry, whether they realize it or not? How can I um, help them to understand that and, and direct them in that? I think, I think there's several things we can do. Number one, you'll, I think in our local churches, there are people who are very passionate about the church, very passionate about ministry. Those are people that I would probably reach out to and say, have you ever considered um, and maybe they've never been approached, but like you were, you know, same thing. You would preach and somebody said, wow, have you ever considered being a pastor? Well, I think we can do that in our local church setting. We have people, I think every church has people who may be gifted in teaching or gifted in leadership who would be a real 
um, a real important component of the local church. And those are the individuals as pastors that I think we ought to reach out to and say, hey, we have this program where you can learn about scripture, where you can learn some theology, where you can learn some practical ways of really assisting our church to move forward in its mission and vision. Mm. And whether that leads to being a pastor or not isn't really the point. No, you, you and move into it the, and let God open the doors. Right. I don't think yeah. the point, really, I don't think the point of Life Tree is all about ordination. I think the point of Life Tree is to help our women and men to grow in their, in, in their understanding of Scripture and yes. their understanding of the local church. And that's women and men. That's women and men. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah. So if, um, if I sense maybe that I'm being called to ministry, or if I know someone who I think is being called to ministry, what should I do? They should talk to me. And how does that happen? <laughs> well, they can contact me um, through the American Baptist Church's, uh, the American Baptist VNH Church office. Okay. Um, they, can send, they can send me an email and say, let's chat. Um, my phone number is available or should be available by now. I'm not, I'm not sure how updated our website is right now, but hopefully it's up there where my phone number is on there where they can call me. Yeah. Uh, and then I can send them the material on life tree for them to look at. Uh, and then they can, and then we, from there, we can go ahead and, uh, and see if life tree is really what God wants for them. So there'll be contact information on the region's website, which is ABC dash Vermont, New Hampshire. Dot com, right? right? And there'll be, I'm going to, in the show notes that come with these podcasts, I'm going to make sure that your contact information is there so we can, people can get a hold of you. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, for the, for the foreseeable future, uh, Bridge Church in Milford, they can contact you through that if they have, they there's, could, there's yeah. ways you can yeah. find, you yeah. can find this guy. He's not, uh, he's not hidden, <laughs> right? That's true. Yeah, I should be at the Bridge Church probably till the end of the summer. So they certainly can contact me there, uh, but these. But as I said, you know, there'll be a, all of the information should be on our ABC BNH website. If not now, it will be in the very near future. Right, and we're recording this in early April of 2020. So good. There you go. Um, any final words? Anything you want to say about about Life Tree or your involvement or just? What no, what I, I can I can honestly say I'm very excited about this. Um, yeah. This was not in my plans. This was not on my bucket list. <laughs> and then the su- then the summer, um, I knew that I knew that the board of IFL was looking for a dean, and um, and George Keeler uh, was a wonderful guy. Approached me several years ago about it, and I said no, I was not interested. Mm. But the summer, as I was ref- I was in the water at the lake, I think, where I was camping. And the summer, I just really felt like, wow, this is a really a really good opportunity that I think for me to move into this new journey of what they call retirement, which I don't believe in but move into a new arenas, doing what I'm very passionate about. Not having to go to board meetings necessarily, not having to deal with conflict in the local church, although that will happen, I'm sure. Um, I, can, I can just really focus on mentoring and training, and these are my, this is my passion. Uh, and so um, I actually, I contacted you and I said, what do you think? Yep. I remember I, that. I remember getting that email yeah. and just ding, 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 went off of my yeah. head. I'm like, that's Perfect. Yeah, I'm so and, glad. And, that you're and I know Dale was excited about it too. Yeah. So I really felt like after I felt the Lord leading me in that direction, there was affirmation that was necessary. A unanimous board, a unanimous vote from our board, our old IFL board, right. and a unanimous vote from the trustees really kind of confirmed everything that we really more 
are moving in the right direction. Terrific. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to meet with us on uh, Frost Heave Revival. You are the you are the interview of our, our third our third uh, program, and and I think this is a good place to start. So, um, if folks you are interested in learning more about um, Life Tree, we'll be putting more information on with the show notes and be other stuff for you to get in contact with us as we go forward. But thanks a lot, Ron. I appreciate it. It was great talking with you, Dave. Well, there you have it, Ron Boothelet. Now, if you are part of an American Baptist church here in Vermont and New Hampshire, and you think maybe God is calling you into ministry, you should definitely contact Ron Boothelet. He can help you work through this process of exploring and affirming your call, and he can help you get started with Lifetree or even some other channel through which you can receive training and the preparation you will need to fulfill that call. And this isn't just about pastoral ministry. This is also true for you if you are in church leadership or even considering entering into church leadership, formally or informally. So this means that deacons and trustees and elders and Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and ministry leaders and directors, all of these are church leadership roles you can also benefit from what Lifetree has to offer. So contact Ron Boothelet. And the same goes for you if you know someone who you think may be called by God for ministry or church leadership. Encourage them to contact Ron. He has lots of wisdom to share. And his job really is to help you understand what your next step in that journey will look like uh, for your own sake and for the sake of the church. You can find Ron's contact information in the show notes. So that's about it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating in iTunes or whatever, whatever podcast app you are using. Most important, share this podcast with your friends at your church so that you can all keep track of the great things God is doing in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, among the American Baptist churches of Vermont and New Hampshire. Remember, in New England, we are in a great spiritual mud season. <laughs> it's messy right now, but that just means that a great springtime of the gospel is on the way. We'll see you next time on our next episode of Frost Heave Revival. <laughs>